listening to the Plugged In Podcast, a new project from the Institute for Energy Research. To find out more about our work, visit our website at instituteforenergyresearch.org. Welcome to the Plugged In Podcast. I'm Alex Stevens, policy analyst here at the Institute for Energy Research. Back in June, the Council on Environmental Quality proposed changes for implementing the procedural provisions of the National Environmental Policy Act. My colleague, Hunter Pearl, has been following these proposed changes. He's here to discuss NEPA as well as some of the ways the law has been abused and how it's changed over time. Hunter, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Nice to be here. So why don't you give our listeners just an idea of uh, what NEPA is and what it was originally designed to do? Yeah, so uh, NEPA, the National Environmental Policy Act, was drafted in 1970. Uh, it, you know, has been a big uh, uh, environmental law for a while. It, it was originally intended to inform government agencies of environmental concerns uh, and community f- feedback that they could incorporate into the projects that they're doing. So um, it's sometimes been described as a way for them to look before they leap. To quote the very broad and vague language of the act, the purposes of this act are to declare a national policy which will encourage productive and enjoyable harmony between man and his environment, to promote efforts which will prevent or eliminate damage to the environment and biosphere, and stimulate the health and welfare of of man to enrich the understanding of ecological systems and natural resources important to the nation and to establish a council on environmental uh, quality. What does NEPA look like in practice today? You uh, wrote a blog post that we put up on IR's website last week that kind of goes through this stuff. What you just sort of outlined there, it sounds like NEPA's, uh, NEPA in practice it doesn't quite do those things. Yeah, so um, instead of just informing um, the government, now NEPA is this um, hugely burdensome system of red tape and also a huge liability Uh, to any uh, infrastructure or development project. Early environmental impact statements were 10 pages long. Now they can run almost a thousand pages, um, sometimes more. If a project is uh, determined to need the full review, so an environmental assessment and an environmental impact statement, that's now an average of six years for the review alone. um, And that's growing by about 110 days per year. Um, And then you can add in a few years to get all the relevant permits uh, and possibly multiple years of litigation under NEPA. Uh, Yeah, I think in your in your blog post, you talked about uh, in some other countries that those time periods, uh, even countries that we consider to be, you know, pretty heavily regulated areas like in I I think the example you gave was Germany, that those numbers were quite lower. Is is that the case or? yeah. Yeah, Germany, Canada, which we don't think of these countries as environmentally uh, careless. They do it in two years. uh, And that's much more similar to what it was originally in the United States. Whereas other countries have actually taken off of NEPA, they've used our law as an example. Uh, They've been following it closer to its original purpose. Uh, Ours has spiraled out of control. You mentioned that that NEPA plays a pretty big role in obstructing development. Why don't you talk a little bit about some examples of how this law gets in the, has gotten in the way of, of some important infrastructure projects or uh, anything that you want to know. Just the environmental review of draining the Savannah Harbor took 14 years, and the NEPA permits and litigation also contributed to this, what ended up being a 30-year-long project. 
reviewing the replace uh, reviews for the replacing of the Gothel's Bridge. Not building a new one, just uh, replacing this bridge. That took 10 years. Even after being fast-tracked, the project to raise the Bayonne Bridge by 64 feet took five years for a 20,000-page environmental review and 47 permits from 19 agencies. And then there was another two years of litigation. So it sounds like this policy is almost just like a make-work program for environmental lawyers. Is that the case? Or what do you see as being the uh, main factor in as to why we see lengthening periods of, of time for these environmental reviews and stuff under NEPA? Yeah, I think there's a couple um, reasons for it. Uh, we've, you know, when NEPA was passed, it was the environmental review law. Since then, we've had the Clean Air Act. We've had a ton of um, other statutes that have added different layers of bureaucracy to this, um, to any environmental review process, which also has to take those into account. If if a project had previously done work for to, to pass under one of these other statutes, they just have to redo it for NEPA. Um, so all of these um, entangling statutes really just add up the time. And then on top of that, you have environmental groups that are ready to sue agencies for any projects they don't like. And just the threat of that litigation makes uh, agencies decide, well, we better make this a dense litigation-proof 20,000-page document uh, because litigation is even more time-consuming and expensive. From my understanding, a lot of environmental groups, they, uh, they'll threaten litigation under, these, uh, under the auspices of NEPA, fully aware that they don't really have any ground or any standing in the case, but they, they know that just opening some of these projects up to litigation and things, uh, that in and of itself is a delay and is one of the strategies that they use, correct? That's right. And they don't have to claim... Uh, they don't have to have any evidence that something was really wrong in a project, that, that there's a glaring issue in a project. All they have to say is, we think that this agency rushed this part of the permitting, permitting process, uh, that the review was done without taking everything into consideration because here's one or two areas where maybe they didn't consider enough. And just... Under that, they can bring a suit um, at any time for any action of any project. So uh, this is a constant threat, and um, it's it's a tool that they use to get rid of projects they don't like. This is not the American people deciding that the government shouldn't do this project. It's one or two environmental groups with a good uh, litigation team that are um, putting themselves out there to be the lone veto voice and it, it really it's it's a rule by the vetoes here you know something that i found really interesting in your article was that nepa has been abused basically in other policy areas to prevent things um that people with other policy goals that are outside of environmentalism and or things that you would naturally associate with it why don't you talk a little bit about how nepa is being used in sort of other po policy areas sometimes there's just sort of miscellaneous uh, concerns, things that aren't related to the environment at all that uh, still are, are sued for under NEPA. So after the DC versus Heller case, the National Park Service and Fish and Wildlife Service decided they'd allow concealed carry firearms in national parks 
where state and local laws allowed that. So instead of having national parks be a completely different jurisdiction, they're going to follow the regular state laws. Well, the Brady campaign to prevent gun violence, which was against concealed carry from the beginning, they decided, well, we don't want it expanded anywhere. We'll sue under NEPA. And so they argued uh, that, you know, the, the rule change was unlawful because the Department of Interior did not conduct an analysis of the rule's environmental effects as required by the National Environmental Policy Act, including the effects of the rule on threatened and endangered species. It still, mind you, was completely illegal to fire a, a firearm in uh, a national park, but they're concerned that just being able to concealed carry in a national park may harm threatened and endangered species. Um, at least that's what they claimed. Um, and that was enough. Uh, a federal judge agreed with them, and it w- the, the action, the, the rule change was halted until President Obama signed into law um, legislation that, that did the same thing. Um, and just to give you another example of this, there's, I believe it's still going on, a case called Whitewater Draw Natural Resources Conservation District versus Johnson. Yeah, this is the one that I thought was the, was the most interesting. Yeah, so, so this was brought by the Immigration Reform Law Institute, which is the legal arm of FAIR, the uh, Federation for American Immigration Reform. They brought this lawsuit against the Department of Homeland Security saying that any immigration-related activity affects the population and should therefore conduct uh, the at least environmental assessment, if not also an impact statement, under NEPA. And so their, their argument is sort of uh, that since Americans have among the highest carbon footprints, allowing immigrants into the U.S. will increase emissions and climate change. And so any action that could affect population, especially increasing it, is going to uh, affect climate change. And so thus, uh, if, you know, rule changes such as just giving uh, people on student visas a one-year work visa or ending the practice of worksite raids by ICE, that before DHS could do these actions, they would have to uh, conduct an environmental impact statement to determine uh, what effect allowing people who are already in the U.S. to not be deported might have to global carbon emissions. Yeah, so you can see, uh, obviously, the the purview of this law isn't, isn't limited to just environmental stuff. There, People are, are using it to, to block sort of other policy things. That's interesting. I think here at IER, institutionally, we would say that... Uh, We'd like to see NEPA go away altogether. If that's not a politically feasible thing at the moment, what are some second and third best options and reforms that you'd like to see? Yeah, so, I mean, I think that NEPA can be reformed. It's, it's as we've said, Germany and Canada uh, uh, do it in two years. A lot of other countries do it in less than two years um, to the point where it may actually be, like it was intended to be, informing these governments uh, before they're doing their actions instead of just uh, doing another hoop to jump through that then can be litigated. So I think that a couple reforms could be done that would that really help out. Um, having just one agency in charge of any given NEPA review, whether it's the same agency throughout or have an easy way to pick one agency so that there's not um, the, the agencies doing duplicative reviews or fighting with each other. Um, you know, you could have 
um, timelines. Um, there has already been a push to um, have timelines and certain infrastructure projects. Uh, I haven't seen a reason so far why we couldn't just apply that to other infrastructure projects and other kinds of projects too. I don't think there's been any sign that um, the the projects that have been fast-tracked so far have in any way been uh, uh, less responsive to environmental concerns. And uh, you could uh, reinforce the original sort of less than 100 pages reviews um, as opposed to our current thousand plus page reviews. Just, you know, bringing back the original culture and, and expectation that a review should lay out some concerns as opposed to trying to cross every T and dot every I to prevent litigation. On the litigation front, you could also reform the scope and statute of limitations for NEPA litigation. Uh, in Canada, you can sue based on legal violations but not policy uh, decisions, and that would go a long way to preventing environmental groups and other groups suing on what is really a uh, agency's prerogative uh, simply because they don't like the project. My guest today has been Hunter Pearl. You can find out more about his work on NEPA at our website, instituteforenergyresearch.org. Hunter, thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much.